Right, um, I don't know whether anybody uh, noticed the countdown song we had at the beginning. She says, wittering. Um, was a, a song by Elevation Worship called Shine a Light. And it was deliberately chosen... Sorry. It was deliberately chosen for the words... Um, and I'm going to bring it up in a second. And except this has gone to sleep. Why is it... Right, okay, we'll carry on for a minute. Andrew, can you just keep looking at this and see if you can connect it to the TCN Wi-Fi? Thank you. Right, so it was deliberately chosen for its words, and it was shine a light. We all have a light that we can shine. In the darkness of the world, we need to be the light that is shining out. And this whole series is about um, evangelism. And I'm probably the worst person to talk about evangelism because I'm not very good at it. But maybe that makes me the best person to talk about evangelism. I don't know. And what I'm excited about is that we sit and plan at the beginning of the year. Thank you, Andrew. You are a star. Um, We sit and plan the overview of what we're going to be preaching on in these various series fairly early on in, in the year. And we do pray about it, obviously. And God gives us these thoughts. And what's happened is that this series on evangelism has landed at exactly the same time as the time of prayer and fasting, which we had not specifically planned at the beginning of the year, and also Claire's word about letting down the nets and bringing in the catch. And it just seems so right that at this time when God has given us this word that we need to go out into the deep waters and let down the nets and pull in this great big catch, that actually we should be receiving some teaching on how to go about doing it. Um, so that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, so we're going to have uh, four weeks of this series. Um, today we're going to be kind of setting the scene and starting off and talking about the fact that evangelism is for everybody, which is unfortunate because, like I say, I'm not very good at it and therefore I would quite like to have a get-out clause. Um, there isn't one. And then I can't remember which way around I'm doing this, but we're doing some stuff on family evangelism, servant evangelism, and friendship evangelism. So different ways of telling our story. And uh, like I said, we were at the Breathe conference yesterday, and the the title, the whole overriding um, arch of that was Tell Your Story. And actually, that's all evangelism is. It's telling our story, being brave enough to tell our story, and I think my story isn't very exciting. Um, And Angie said much the same yesterday when she shared her story. But actually, as she shared, I started thinking, oh, yes, that's a parallel with my my life. I can see how she's been through the same sort of thing. I can see how how she worked through that really helped me. And that's how we can tell our story and really impact other people. Now, I also know very little about fishing. Okay? Um, I've never been... No, I have been fishing once. Andrew bought a fishing rod when he was about seven, and we dutifully sat next to this lake, which apparently had fish in it, with this rod. And after about ten minutes, when we hadn't caught a fish, I was bored to tears. So, Andy, I know you like fishing, but... No. But what I do know about fishing, particularly fishing where you go out in a boat with a net, I've seen enough of Countryfile to know that you don't just sit in the boat and wait for the fish to jump in. yeah, And you don't sit on the land 
and wait for the fish to come into the net. You actually have to go out in the boat, drop the nets down in the right place and haul up the fish. Um, and there is, I wanted to get it, we were talking yesterday when I was talking about this, there is a fantastic Facebook fo- um, video going around at the moment of a fisherman out in his boat and then suddenly this massive great big fish does indeed jump into the boat. Um, but generally that is not how fishing works. We actually need to go out into potentially choppy waters. We actually need to go out, potentially feel a little bit queasy on our boat because we're going into uncharted territory sometimes and that's a little bit what evangelism can feel like. Um, And fishing has a number of different methods. So I know enough, again, that you can fish with a rod and you can fish with a net. And I think you can do something with, um, like, baskets. I think that might be lobsters or something. (laughs) So there's all sorts of different tools that you can use when you go fishing. Oh, yeah, that's true. You can tickle salmon, can't you? Is it trout? Oh, okay, sorry. (laughs) So, oh right, okay, excellent. So, this is brilliant. So, already I'm filling out of my depth. I don't know much about evangelism. I'm absolutely useless at fishing. I think maybe it's time I went home. Um, so, there are lots of different tools, and over this series, we're going to unpack a few different tools that we might be able to use to share our story with other people. So, what is evangelism? So, the Wikipedia. Definition of evangelism. In Christianity, evangelism is the commitment to or act of publicly preaching of the gospel with the intention of spreading the message and teachings of Jesus Christ. So, in very intentional act. Um, which is good, because that, that feels to me like that is a bit of a get-out cause. I reckon I can get out of evangelism um, because you've got to be an evangelist to do that. And I am not an evangelist, so therefore I don't need to do it. Brilliant. Um, the Bible never actually mentions a gift of evangelism, like it mentions other gifts. Um, but it does talk about grace-gifted evangelists um, and talking about equipping saints for ministry and grace-gifted apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers, and we did a, a, a series on that a while ago. Um, but all believers are responsible for equipping themselves to be evangelists. It's not something that is bestowed on one or two people. Some people are great evangelists. Billy Graham um, was a great evangelist. He was able to stand up and preach to thousands and thousands of people, and people somehow would just get it and be really convicted by his words. Now, not everybody is called to do that, thank goodness, Um, but we are all called to share our story, to share God's love with those around us. But there is, sadly, um, for me, no getting out of it. So we're going to look at today um, a very, very familiar passage that hopefully you will all know and um, be very attuned with, and it's it's Jesus' final words to his disciples, his sort of final kind of parting instructions And final words that people say are really important. You hang on to those final words. I'm I'm kind of planning my final words now because I want them to be something profound. And I suspect when the time comes, I won't say anything profound at all. But, you know, um, people do say very profound things. So here we go. Here are some famous final words. And I want you to tell me who you think 
they were from. They may or may not be true because final words tend to get a little bit possibly um, adjusted as time goes on. Friends applaud. The comedy is finished. Anyone hazard a guess as to who that Okay, you are. Yeah. No. Nice try. No. I don't think Mickey Mouse had anything. Mickey Mouse is still around. Yes. He lives at Disney World. Um, no, that was Beethoven. Hmm? Beethoven. Apparently. You did a study on Beethoven for school. Why did you not know that? <laughs> um, I should never have switched from Scots to Martinis. Hmm? No. A good guess, though. Hmm? No, Humphrey Bogart. I'm bored with it all. Yeah, I think I quite like this one. <laughs> you should know this one, Andrew. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I haven't done it, but I'm planning it. It's going to be a great one, this one. No, Winston Churchill, apparently. Money can't buy life. Bob Marley. Anyway, according to the internet, those were people's last words. Jesus' final words to his disciples and his final words to us in some senses uh, were these very famous words, the Great Commission. Um, so if you want to turn to it, you can do. Matthew twenty-eight sixteen to 20. Um, and we will read kind of the, the words bit, Okay. So all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. After he spoke these words, Jesus was taken up into heaven. So in these kind of final words, which are much better than I'm sure the ones that I would have come up with, he had a bit of time to think about it, though, to be fair. Um, he, Jesus makes a great claim. He gives a command. And then helpfully, he gives a method to how to follow that command, which is always quite useful, and then ends with a promise. Okay, so those are the four kind of bits to that great, what we now call the Great Commission. So what we're going to do is we're going to break down those little bits a very familiar passage to all of us, I'm sure. And hopefully it's just going to stir up something in us that actually this is a command that has been given to each of us. And however it outworks in our lives, however we feel most comfortable doing it, there is no excuse. We need to go and do it. Much as your lovely faces are lovely, I want to see lots more different lovely faces here this time next year. Yeah, we need to be making the difference. We need to be letting down those nets and bringing in the catch. I want your lovely faces as well, obviously, but I want extra lovely faces. Dear, whoops. <laughs> okay, so what is the claim? Whoops. So the claim is that Jesus had authority given to him from God. And there's a, a couple of places we can kind of look back in the Old Testament and look forward into the New Testament. And one of the things that Claire and I went to, in fact, I think, did you go to the same, same seminar as us, Alba and Harmenda? The one where she talked through the story with the red thing, yeah. We're actually, you know, looking back over the whole story and how it all fits together and feeds through. And 
the stuff we did before Christmas where we look back at old prophecies and see how they're fulfilled. So I like to do a little bit of that. Uh, And if we have a look in Daniel, Daniel 7, um, verse 13, it says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. The authority from God is given. Um, And if we jump forward into the New Testament, have a look in Ephesians, Ephesians 1, verse 20 uh, to 22. I'm just going to pick out the right bit. He exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. That is some authority. Yeah, Jesus was given the authority to rule, basically, um, from God. The exciting thing is that we have been given that same authority, that same power. We were praying for Tony and Lydia this morning with authority. We have that power. We can do that. And suddenly that means that we can go out and evangelize. We've got that power. We've got nothing to be frightened of, she says, being very frightened about these things. But, yeah, we've got nothing to be frightened of. We've got that same power. But that power needs to be evident in our lives. We can't hide it. We've got, to, we've got to show that power. And for me, that's a real challenge because I need to now not just say, yes, I'm a Christian. But actually, yes, I'm a Christian. Can I pray for you? Because I believe that God can sort this problem, heal this illness. I tried to say illness and sickness at the same time, and it really doesn't work. <laughs> it fell out wrong in my mouth. And that's the challenge for me, is that, yes, I'm very happy to tell people I'm a Christian, very happy, but actually am I demonstrating that I have that power and authority in my life, and and maybe that's where um, I need to buck my ideas up a bit, to be honest. So that's a pretty good claim. Then we have the command. Okay, so this is the instruction. This is what we've got to do. So we've got to make disciples, now, disciple is a bit of a, yeah, we don't really use the words really in today's society in, in the real, not the real world, you know what I mean, in the secular world. Um, so a disciple is one who accepts a teaching, not only in mind, but in life. He believes and imitates a truth learned um, to be practiced. So making disciples is huge amount more than just leading someone to that point of conversion, okay? That is a great starting point, but making disciples is a long-term walking alongside them, walking with them, helping them to learn, and being someone that they can imitate. So you're not make, we're not making disciples of ourselves, but we have to reflect God, and then they need to reflect what they see in us. So making disciples is, is a big deal. It's a big deal. Oh, go back. So the important thing is that you never stop being a disciple. So it's not like we became a Christian X number of years ago. We did the discipleship thing, and now we're not disciples. Yeah, we're kind of here. We're sorted. Um, 
And it's now our role to talk to somebody else and share our, our faith with them. He doesn't want to do this next bit. Oh, there we go. So we're not told just to make disciples. We have to remember also that we are disciples. And it's that thing that people copy us. People want to see us. We've got to reflect the right things. Um, if you have children, sometimes you have that horrifying moment when they say something and you realize they have heard it from you and possibly what they've said is maybe not appropriate. It's like, no, I said that. They've learned that from me. They've copied me in that in that sense. So you, we do have to be really careful. We have to be very aware of, of what we're doing. And the mission of Christ is therefore also our mission. And it's simple. Seek and save the lost. Seek and save the lost. Seek. We've actually got to go out and find these people. Yeah, they're not just going to wander through. Well, they might, but they're generally not going to wander through the front door. We need to be out discipling. We need to be out finding the people. So that's our mission. The overriding mission of the church is to bring people into a relationship with Christ. If you've come through the doors, you are Christian and you're walking with God, fantastic. But the overriding aim of the, the church, the big church, global church, is to help people find that for themselves. It's not just enough to say, oh, we're all sorted, it's fine. We've got to get out there. So, we go out, and we go out into all of the nations. Um, John 3.16, really famous verse. For God so loved the world, the world, that he gave his one and only son. Um, Acts 1, you need to... You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Um, In Romans, I'm obligated to both the Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. So there are people that are called to share God's love overseas. Um, And that's fantastic. And always be open to the fact that God may call you to somewhere with spiders and snakes and things like that. Um, But that's great, that's great. But there are people of all nations right here. And by people of all nations, we mean people of different cultures, different languages, different standards, different expectations, different outlooks on life. That includes teenagers. They have, I know. (laughs) Yeah, they have a different language, a different outlook, different viewpoint. People, um, I don't know, single-parent families have a different outlook, a different language, a different viewpoint to perhaps us. So if we were going to go off and serve God in Africa, okay, we would take some time and we would learn about the country. We would learn about the culture. Yes? Well, you know what I mean. Somewhere in Africa. You know what I mean. You would spend some time learning about the culture, learning the language of where you were going, so you didn't offend anybody, you could talk to them, etc., etc., etc. If we're not called to serve overseas, we're called to serve here. We need to do the same thing. We need to get to know the people that we are going to be sharing with, because actually how we explain the gospel, how we understand it, might not be how they understand it. So actually, we need to be thinking about, God, who is it you want me to share with? And actually... Do they think about things the same way as me? Do they understand things the same way as me? Is there a new language that I need to learn in order to share my faith with whoever it is you're called to share your faith with? 
Um, so anyway, think on that. So have a think about that as we go through. So the command, go and share your faith. Okay. The method, okay, it's always good. Once you've been told to do something, it's quite nice if you're told how to do it. Um, so go. Now that seems relatively straightforward. Uh, we are commanded to go. This is a strategic and deliberate act. We are to go. We need to get in the boat. We need to take our nets with us, and we need to go. Go out into the, the water. Um, but also, we all go every day. We go into the world. We go to work. We go to college. We go to school. We go to the shops. We, we go all over the place. So we need to carry that message with us wherever we go. So it's not a case of just saying, okay, it's Wednesday. Wednesday, I have decreed, will be my evangelism day. And I will go, and I will evangelize somewhere on Wednesdays. I can't, I don't know why Wednesdays, but anyway. But actually, we need to go and take that message with us all the time. So we are commanded to go, and we are commanded to disciple while we are going. So it's, it's a deliberate act, but we kind of need to be doing it all of the time. We need to go about our daily lives, and we need to take the gospel to anyone we meet and to anyone who will listen. And again, this is a challenge to me because sometimes I think, okay, if I was doing town pastors, or if I was doing make lunch, or cap money, or something like that, then it's fine. I'm very happy in that context. I can talk about my faith. I can share Jesus. I can pray with people, etc., etc. But actually, going about my daily life, it's almost harder to bring it up in conversation. Um, and that's maybe the challenge. That's certainly where I need to, to focus my attention. So we need to go. And we need to make disciples. So how do you go about making a disciple? The good news, praise the Lord, is that we don't need to know everything there is to know about the Bible to teach someone about Christ. Okay, we do not need to have been to Bible college. We don't need to have a degree and a master's in theology. You just need to know and love Christ. It helps if you know a little bit about the Bible because that can help to really develop people's understanding. But actually, you just need to share what you know about Jesus with people. And that is the best way of helping someone grow in their faith. And, okay, we might need to get people, other people to come along and help us. Actually, you know, I've got this far with this person, but I need your help to help me take them a little bit further. Enroll them on a course. Find an Alpha course or a Freedom in Christ course or a Bible course or whatever. Um, but it is really helpful if you know a few key scriptures to be able to help share your faith and just link your faith with what's in the Bible. Um, and making sure people understand the simple things, like when you give someone a Bible, make sure it's appropriate for them. You give them the right kind of Bible. It's um, All Saints School, isn't it, that have given every child in the school an age-appropriate Bible, which is absolutely fantastic. Those children will be using those Bibles in their lessons, and then when they leave the school, they take it with them. An age-appropriate Bible. I know when I was at school, I was given a a King James Bible. It's like, well, that's no use to anybody. I didn't understand it. It just gathered dust in the corner. Fortunately, I was brought up in church, and, yeah, my parents had ensured I had an age-appropriate Bible. But if that's people's only exposure of the Bible, 
No wonder they don't like reading it. You know, it's just hard. And also, make sure people know not to start in Genesis and try and read all the way through. Um, because Leviticus is going to knock anybody over. Yeah, so there are ways of helping people do that. It's not enough to, no matter how shiny and holy we look in our everyday lives, we can't just assume people will look at us and go, aha, they are a Christian. I therefore know I need to repent of my sins and also become a Christian. They will not just get it. We need to tell them. Um, we need to share that with them. So there's quite a lot around that whole making disciples thing, and maybe that's a, an area that we could do a, a series on, actually, to take a little bit further. Baptizing. Yes, love baptizing people. Absolutely fantastic. That process of baptism is, a, is evidence of a changed life. The old is gone, and the new moves forward. It's a public declaration. It's somebody standing up and saying, I have made a decision. I will follow Christ. It is a physical thing. It's a public declaration. But I truly believe that something happens in the spiritual realm when somebody is baptized. It, it really punches the devil. Yeah, it really knocks knocks him out of the water. Out the water. <laughs> um, it's yeah. I am publicly declaring, and at that point, something breaks in the old life, and it's a hugely important process. Baptism. So yeah, that's something we need to be talking to people about. You know, once they've become a Christian, let's start talking to them about baptism, because if they want to move on in their Christian lives, breaking in the spiritual realm, the old stuff that's holding them back is so important. If they don't break it, they could well be, what's the word? Restricted. Restricted going forward. Teaching. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Interesting the way round that goes. Baptizing and then teaching. Baptizing is an, is an early part. And then you can learn all the stuff that you need to learn. Baptizing and then teaching. The in-depth teaching. You need to, obviously, before you be baptized, you need to understand the basics of what you're doing. Um, you know, it's not so someone comes in on a Sunday morning, gives their heart to Lord, and all right, right, come on, let's go find some water. Let's start. Yeah, I would be more comfortable knowing that they had, knew the basics. But the in-depth, the in-depth teaching comes afterwards. So let's not put off talking to people about baptism. It's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. I'm forever grateful that I was baptized really early on in my Christian life, in, in my life, actually, to be fair. Um, because, actually, I've been able to live my whole Christian life with that broken. And, yeah, having made that public declaration. And, you know, when I go through difficult times, and when, certainly as a teenager, you know, the devil would say, well, you're not really a Christian. You didn't pray the right prayer. I became a Christian about a hundred times. Because, I'd, I'd, you yeah, know, every time I'd, I thought, well, did I do it right? Did I say the right words? Perhaps I didn't. I'll do it again, just to be sure. Yeah, at the point at which I was baptized, I was able to say, yes, categorically, I know, on that day, I made a commitment, job done, move forward. Um, and that, that is a huge relief in someone's Christian life. So 
So what is the promise? Yeah. Commandment, bit of a method on how to do it, and then the promise going forward. And excitingly, this promise, I am with you always. And that's what we can share with people. That's what people need to understand. That's what people need to know, that there is somebody. Claire started off this morning with that, you know, somebody knows us. Somebody cares about us. And so many people in the world today don't think anybody knows who they are, don't think anybody gives two hoots about what they're up to. And if we can share that there is somebody, not only we personally care about people, but God knows them. That's a huge deal. And not only does God know them, God is with them always. Always. No matter what scrapes and difficulties we get ourselves into, God is with us always. And this is the same promise that God made to Moses at the burning bush. He said, and I will be with you. I will be with you to Moses in the burning bush. The same promise he made to Joshua. He said, and I, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. It's the same promise he made to Gideon. I love Gideon. Such a scared little chap. Made the promise to him. I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites. And it's the same promise he made to Jeremiah. I can't find it now. Anyway, the same promise. Now the good news is that we have the Bible and we know the end of each of those stories. At the time, all of these four people were in kind of tricky, scary situations. And that promise from God to say, I am with you always, they had to just take and accept that that was true. We know that it was true. We know the end of their story. We know that God was indeed with them. And they did amazing, incredible things. And if God promised them that, and we can see that that was fulfilled in their lives, then we can be confident that when he says it to us, it's true. And although we don't know the end of our story, we can be convinced that God is with us always. Now, that makes me feel a little bit better about evangelism. Because if God is with me, then I can probably get over myself and be a little bit braver and really share my faith. I'm just going to read that verse again that we started off with, Matthew 28, 16 to 20. And I want this to be, to be the passage that takes us through this, the rest of this series. That this is what we're aiming for. This is the commandment that we've been given. And all the stuff that we do over the next few weeks is how we go about doing that. Some ideas were actually, it's like, oh no, I, maybe I can't stand on the street corner and preach, but I could do that. And I could share in that way. I could use that fishing tool. I'm going back to my fishing. I'm going to stop the fishing analogy. So Matthew 28, 16 to 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Really familiar passage, but just read it again this week and 
let it embed in your lives and just take it as a challenge from God. Go. Therefore, go. So we're going to finish off by singing um, a song called Miracles, and which basically is a song about everything that God has done for us. And we, in this song, will declare that we believe in the God of miracles. And if we can stand and sing and declare that we believe in the God of miracles, then we can go out and share that God of miracles with other people. So we're going to stand, and I'm going to go over there because I've got to press that button now. But um, we'll stand and sing this song together to finish.